What's going on, guys? You are being blessed with the real Jason Duncan, the host of The Root of All Success. He is the guy, man. And you guys, if you're listening, you are being blessed right now. Your ears are literally being blessed because this guy has a lot to say and a lot of knowledge. So y'all check out my guy, the real Jason Duncan, the host of The Root of All Success. Welcome to The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. A podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of The Root of All Success, The Real Jason Duncan. The Real Jason Duncan. Welcome back to another edition of the show. I am The Real Jason Duncan. I've got Hans Fakir on the show today. Uh, probably the coolest name of anybody who's ever been on the show, Hans Fakir. It took me a while to learn how to say that name, but uh, his parents were Haitian, so there's a lot of French influence here. But he is the CEO of Constant Care EMS, Constant Healthcare, and he has a restaurant in Lenox Mall in Atlanta called And Cheese, ATL. And uh, this guy, really interesting story that we talked about today because he bills himself as the healthcare CEO. He has, uh, he spent a lot time in Miami doing mortgages. He spent time doing uh, club promotions at reggae clubs. He was cleaning houses on the side while he was a firefighter for a while. He was doing taxes while on the side while he was a firefighter. And then when he got sick of all of that and he said, you look, I got to go do my own thing. This guy went into the healthcare business without a healthcare degree. He said he's going to talk about on the show. He dropped out of community college, doesn't have any degree whatsoever. And now doctors work for him. How cool is that? So he owns an ambulance company. This this whole idea of this non-emergency medical transportation and emergency medical services, it's an interesting hidden industry, which we're going to talk about on the show. And you're not going to want to miss his definition of what success is. It comes towards the end of the show, so you got to stay all the way to the end to get it. But his definition of success is one of the best I've ever heard. You don't want to miss this. So please help me welcome Hans Fakir to the root of all success. Hans, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you. Thank you, my guy. I, cigars. We got to talk about that, too, on that intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I love I love a good cigar. Are you into those as well? I'm getting into them, yeah, definitely. Well, my favorite, I talked about this actually with the last guest on my show. He asked the same question, and my favorite is called the Saint Pari. And since you have a French last name, uh, that's Saint Pari means without equal. Ooh. I think it's what that means in, in French. And it is absolutely my favorite uh, cigar in the world. It's it's gorgeous. I love it. Everything about it's good. I don't smoke them a lot because they're very expensive, but I enjoy them when I do. Nice. I'm going to have to try that. So if you come to Nashville, I know you're not far away. When you come to Nashville, we're going to have to sit down. There's a club here I'm a part of called the Standard Club. And it's uh, one of the top cigar bars in the country. We can go hang out, have a cigar let's, and talk let's business. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Well, so Hans Fakir, uh, it took me a long time to figure out how to say your name, but I'm glad I say it right. I know people Thank probably butchered the hell out of that. Name. I hated that name growing up. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, love it. <laughs> but man. now you're like, now you embrace it. It's, 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 it's who you are. Well, the, so, so we, the reason you're on this show today, the root of all success is because I was driving, um, I forget where I was going, but I was on a trip and I was listening to uh podcast on YouTube, which I like to do. I like to listen to podcasts on YouTube. And you were on the Social Proof podcast with David. What's David's last name? Shans. Shans. Okay, David Shans. The the Social Proof podcast was really good. Everybody should go check that out. And you were talking about the NEMT business, not the non emergency medical transport business. That was kind of the that's what caught my eye because I'm in the process of potentially acquiring an NEMT business. I I can't get. I want to ask you some questions, but I can't give a whole lot away because of the NDA stuff. But I do want to ask some questions about it. But but uh, I thought this guy's got a great story. He needs to come on my show. And then of course too, I can probably benefit a little bit by asking him some questions. So that's why you're here, man. So let's, uh, let's go back to the beginning. How did Hans, little Hans get started as an entrepreneur? <laughs> you know what? I was, man, at 
seven years old, I had a paper route. <laughs> um, at 14, I worked at Burger King while I was in middle school. You know, they had the work program. You could work two hours a day. Uh, I was blessed to have both sides, right? My mom was a stay-at-home entrepreneur. She traveled the country and she would buy fine linens and she would open up a little shop. Like she was the originator of the pop-up shop, right? right? And then she would have like pop-up shops or flea markets and she would sell all her linens. And then my dad was a respiratory therapist for 30 years. So I was privileged enough to see both sides, right? And I always gravitated more towards my dad's work ethics, but my mom's freedom. And I think that just that's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. So mom had the the work ethic. No, my dad. Had the uh, work I mean, I had the freedom and the dad and your dad had the work ethic. So dad, respiratory therapist doing, doing hard work, but working for the man. Your mom was, was also doing hard work, but not, not working for the man, working for herself. So you saw both sides of that, but you actually, did you start out your adult career as an entrepreneur or did you, did you start with the firefighter stuff? I started in my adult career as a mortgage broker in Miami, Florida. But even while I was a mortgage broker, I was a club promoter. So I always had one foot into entrepreneurship. So before, I don't know how old you are, but before the Instagram, you know, I was that guy when you come out the club and I'm passing out flyers and, you know, the pretty women will take the flyers and throw them on the floor, you know, which helped me be, I was used to rejection. I just always wanted to do something more. And I got into nightclubs and club promotion just because I was sick of paying. I love going to clubs, but I would go Monday through Sunday. And I told my brothers one day, I was like, all right, that's it. Starting next year, I'm not paying. And I just started passing out flyers while I was doing my mortgage broker. While I was a mortgage so broker. So club promotion and mortgage broker, that those don't seem to match. But if they work, they work. So with the mortgage stuff, um, were you working for a mortgage broker, just kind of hawking loans, loan loan originator, that type of thing? Is that what you were doing? Yeah, I was blessed enough to be a uh, a mentee. I had a mentor that owned you know several homes. And he took me under his wing. And he would let me process loans. and it's, Sooner or later, he said, hey, you have to go to get licensed. And once I got licensed, my first deal, I made like 10000 And I had a decision to make. Can I still work for him and get paid hourly and watch him help him make all this money? Or can I take this 10000 and use that as motivation? So I walked into his office one day and said, man, I'm going to do this on my own. So being a mortgage broker is almost, you're an entrepreneur because if you don't make money, it's not you're not clocking in. You got to hustle and make money. You know, you got to close loans. They're not giving to you. So to answer your question, in Florida, it's not like I worked for a bank. I was my own independent mortgage broker. So it's like being a realtor and you're working under a broker, right? So in, in Georgia, it's, you could do the same thing, but I was working for an independent mortgage broker. So I had to go out there and find loans. So you were doing that. And I've got a lot of friends that are in that business. As a matter of fact, I'm part of a mastermind that's primarily designed for mortgage brokers and real estate agents. And I'm one of the, I think there's two of us in that mastermind that are not in the mortgage or real estate business. Um, but it's an interesting, interesting industry. I had the opportunity when I was in my twenties, had a guy at our church offered me to get into his mortgage broker company. He's going to teach me how to do it. And I said, no. And I'm looking back now and thinking, man, some of the, some of the dudes who earn more money per year out of all the people I know are in that business. It's, it's insane how much money's in mortgage brokering if you're doing it right at a high and, level. And before 2008, they weren't regulating the, as many points, right? So you could charge three points on the front and three points on the back. So you're making 6% of four, 500,000. I mean, my average take home was 20K a month. Like, and I, you know, every Saturday morning, I would literally go park at a, a high school and knock on everyone's door. Like I did this for like months when I first got in. And I would say, hey, I'm a mortgage broker. My name is Hans. If you're refinancing or think about buying a property, I'll look over your paperwork for free. I'm not going to charge you, right? Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm not going to charge you. It's like a, a cricket jumped on my knee. <laughs> I said, I'll look over your paperwork for free. And some people were like, seriously? I'm like, yep, no gimmick. This is my card. I work for a company called the Mortgage Oaks Experts of South Florida. And I started just doing that. Even when I was making money, I'm still knocking on everybody's door Saturday morning. So that is your dad's work ethic coming through, huh? Yeah, yeah, and I then, guess so. And, and then you've got the the club and what type of clubs did you like to go to in Miami? What what, what was your clubs, what was your man. thing? Reggae clubs. Reggae. Like, you get the Latinos, the you know, the 
Caribbean vibe in Miami. It was just, and in, in the nineties, that's all you saw was reggae clubs. So I had no choice but to go to like reggae clubs, you know? Um, yeah, that was the thing. It wasn't, you either had reggae clubs or Hispanic music, like Latin nights. There's like no hip hop clubs, no, nothing else. It was one or the other. Well, yeah. You know, I've not really spent a whole lot of time in Miami. I, I, I love the Florida Keys and you got to go through Miami to get there, but I've not really spent a whole lot of time there. But you moved out of Miami to Georgia. Uh, what, why did you move out of Miami? I, um, I saw the writings on the wall. You know, you saw a lot of banks closing down because that was 2007. So that was a turn of uh, the uh, stability in the real estate business. You remember real estate uh, literally went downhill in 2007, 2008. I got into real estate in the mortgage business in 2004. So I, I got it when it was already peaking. And then when they started, when all these banks started closing, because, you know, back in 2004, we were doing loans. We didn't, I didn't even have to see you. Like if you sent me your credit information, I could do a no doc loan and get you approved for a $600,000 house. Like it was crazy in the early 2000s. There was really no regulations on, you know, that you had these interest only loans. You had all type of loans that people could get qualified for houses that they really couldn't afford, right? As long as they had the credit score. Well, when that bubble burst, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. Oh my God, it's a really great movie. It has so many actors in it. Um, Is it The Big Short? The Big Short. So yeah. I lived part of that because I was in the mortgage business. So I relate to that movie so well. And um, in 2007, 2008, I saw the instability. I was married with two kids. I went to the fire academy in Florida. And I ended up, when I ended up doing mortgages for people in Georgia, and I really liked it. So I was like, man, let me try. I bought a house in Georgia. And I was like, I'm going to try to start here. And I applied for the fire department. Cause I came here trying to do mortgages and that wasn't going to work. So I applied for a fire department cause I needed a job. It wasn't like that was my little boy dream. <laughs> well, I think a lot, all little boys grow up at least at one day in their life thinking, I want to be a firefighter yeah. or, you know, something like that. I, I, I remember in my early twenties thinking I wanted to do that too, but you know, nevertheless, but so that's how you got into the medical field, even though not not really. I mean, yeah. you're an EMT, which is is important, and we need the first responders. So thank you for your service doing that. But yeah. so you you did that for what seven years? Nine years. Nine years. You did that. So you did that for nine years. Now, were you? What was your side gig? Because every firefighter's got the side gig. Everybody because they Man. do twenty four on for twenty four off or something like that. That's actually a really quite great question. When I didn't work at the hospital. At this time, I was, you're only making like 38000 a month. I mean, a year. It was horrible. I mean, half of those firefighters were divorced. <laughs> no, Child support. No. I was cleaning homes of rich white people. Like, I was cleaning toilets. <laughs> I'm not lying. Like, I had a friend, man, God bless his soul. His name was Brian Waits. And coolest guy. You know, the majority of the fire department was all white. So it was like seven blacks in 2007 out of 300 firefighters. So my all my wow. closest friends were white. So Brian was like cleaning homes. And I'm like, hey, Brian, I need extra money, bro. And I'm going to these million dollar houses, man, cleaning toilets and vacuuming. And I did whatever I had to do, pressure washing. I did whatever I had to do to get it. You know, I, now to I remember I remember you saying that now uh, you talk about you were you were in this guy's house, this rich white guy's house. You're cleaning his toilet going, man, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> <laughs> and his wife would get mad at me because I didn't leave those lines on the carpet. I'm like a grown ass man. And you're telling me to re and vacuum your carpet over because the lines, you know, are not there. I'm like this. This this is not it. All right. So when was the breaking point? When did you go? That's it. I've had enough. I've got to do my own thing. I got to do a business again. You know, the desire, it was burning, right? It's, it's everyone can relate. And I know you can relate. Like before you did this podcast, I always tell people they have this little flame that they can't figure out what it is. Some people can't, some people can't, right? I had this little thing burning in me. I think getting my paycheck was a pain. It was, it was, it was like a punch in my gut, right? Somebody telling you this is what you're worth. $1,300 every two weeks, I'm giving you guys 80 hours, right? And so, and not only that, I got to ask Lieutenant Duncan, can I go on vacation? Hey, Lieutenant Duncan, I'm going to my son's soccer game. Is anybody available that'll switch with me? You know, or if you don't have any sick days, you can't be sick. That makes no sense. 
Like I'm sick. Yeah, you don't have any sick days. You got to come to work. I think all that just ate at me. And, and you know, in the fire department, um, what they'll do is say, well, why don't you stay 10? And I would tell people, if I stay 10, I'm going to just convince myself to stay 15. And by the time I blink, my life is going to be over. Right? Um, the fire department's not what it used to be. What it used to be, it, it was based on tradition. And you and I would be firefighter buddies in the same station for 15, 20 years. Now, they will take a bunch of uh, a fire station and break it up. They call it a, a basket turnover. And so when they did that, I was, these guys have been in my wedding and they just, they, they did everybody's station. You know, you're going to this station. I said, if I'm going to go to a new station, I might as well start a new job. Because now I'm going to be with people mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, and you're taking away, if we're going to go through the crap and we know that we're going through the crap with our pay, with, you know, our, our benefits, I'm going to go through the crap with these guys. If I, you took all the emotional investment out of this situation. So it was, I woke up one day and this is what happened. When I got interviewed for the fire department, I said, I promise you guys this. If I ever wake up without the desire of working here, I'm going to quit because I'm doing a disservice to my community and my, my fellow employees. There was an old guy walking down the road, Highway 155 in Henry County, Georgia. And it was like 1.30 in the morning. And you know, you've been in the fire department, you see the grunts, the disgruntled firefighters that they don't have any emotion anymore. You know, somebody could be in a real bad situation and they're saying things that are kind of like, okay, I don't want to be like this guy. Well, one day this yeah. guy was walking down the road and he got creamed. And it's 1.30 in the morning. We get the first call with the first in and I'm on a rescue that day. And usually, Jason, I'm CPR. I'm praying over the person. Like, come on, God, you know, and this time I was emotional. So I'm like, okay, this guy, he he died. And I knew he was going to pass. Me. And I'm in my mind. I'm thinking, all right, bro, just give up. You know, I'm tired. I want to go back to the station. You know what I'm saying? I became one of those people I resented for that one day. Um, The very mm. next morning, I, I woke up and gave my lieutenant my two weeks notice. Wow. What did he say? He said, why? And I said, I'm not happy and I'm not, I'm not giving you guys hundred percent no more. I said that call, that uh, patient deserved the best of me. And if I feel like I didn't give him, I did everything I was supposed to do, but I feel like I'm always trying to go above and beyond. It's somebody's life. That's somebody's grandfather. Somebody, you know what I mean? And just to want to go back to the station because I want to get rest was just not, no, nah, that was just a bad feeling. And I was like, no, nah, I can't do this. And I didn't even know where I was going to work. I gave him my two weeks. He was like, you're doing really good. And at that point, me and him wasn't really getting along, but we started getting along great. And he's like, but things are starting to flow. I see. I was like, yeah, but I'm cheating because I don't desire coming here. And I'm not going to be one of these guys 30 years from now, you know, talking negative stuff to the rookies. You know, so, yeah, he, he understood. Great. And then my chief called me. And said, Hans, why are you leaving? I said, look, I, I promised you guys this, and I'm going to be a man of my life. So what did you do? What Like you had two weeks to figure it out. What did you do? I applied at an urgent care, and that was worse. <laughs> I was like, this sucks. Uh, this sucks. Oh, you know what? I missed a big point. I did taxes. Really? Yeah, I did taxes for nine years. I learned how to do taxes. I went to school to do taxes. And um, and uh, this when that happened, I went to the urgent care. I lasted the urgent care all of four months. That was just, I'm talking about, you're really confined in a box, right? Um, so during tax season, I took all my money and paid my bills for the year in advance. And I said, I'm going to just do this. So I would make about 60, 70,000 from January to April. And I paid my mortgage, my car, my wife's car for the year. And then I said, I could do, now I could do whatever I want to do. Cause I still have spending. So that's what I did. And then my wife got tired of me playing video games um, after tax season. Cause I had nothing else to do. So she told me to get a job. <laughs> so let me get the timeline straight. So you were the firefighter for nine years mm -hmm. and then you, you were cleaning houses on the side. And when you left the firefighting, did you do taxes or urgent care immediately afterwards? I, I was doing taxes while I was a firefighter. So cleaning houses. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Cause you know, taxes was only seasonal. Yeah. And then, and then, after that, and most of my clients were firefighters and police officers. 
So I was doing guys that I knew. Um, and I probably had over about 200 clients. So after that, I did the urgent care thing. Oh, okay. So the urgent care sucked. You didn't like that. What'd you do next? I just did the taxes. I just did taxes. That's it. That's it. So when did the ambulance thing become like that? Cause this is why we're talking. Cause you've built the healthcare CEO as a brand. Mm -hmm. You have a very successful ambulance company. That's making a lot of money. It's doing really good things. You're expanding. Um, you're, you're training, you're doing training courses and coaching programs for people that want to open up ambulance companies. When did that become a possibility to you to get into that business? 2015, I left the fire department, 2016, after tax season, I was home and my wife at the time said, uh, you know, what are you going to be doing? You're going to sit home. I, and I was on Facebook. I saw one of my tax um, clients, she had an EMT shirt. And it was like, I said, hey, where do you work? And she said, I work at this place called uh, General Care, or whatever, right? And I was like, she's like, they only have one patient. So they're probably not going to hire you. I was like, I don't care. I don't really need the money. I just need something to do. So I went over there, rinky dink. I mean, I don't want to talk about it. But I mean, just, it was a brand new startup, you know, horrible trucks. Um, and they had one patient. And I told the guy, I said, listen, if I help you, because I did the, 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 my background was kind of marketing, right? From the nightclubs to the to the uh, mortgage broker. I said, if I help you expand, you know, you got to give me a certain percentage. So in three months, I got them from one patient to 20 patients. So for those of you that don't know, one patient will bring you about what the house is 5,000 a month. He went from 5,000 a month to 100K a month in three months. In the EMS community, it's pretty big, but a lot of people know of each other. So I was approached by another company to do the same for them. And I did it for them. And then I was approached by another company to do it for them. But then at that point, I asked the gentleman, I said, hey, I would really like a partnership. And he said, no, you don't need to be partners. I'll set you up at your own office. I'll do all this. And I was like, no, nah, I'm out of here. Because, you know, I was like, wait a minute. You don't want me to be a partner, but you want to keep me under you. So in 2016, I bought my first ambulance. And that's what got me into like close to 2017. So you, so, so this company that you, that had one patient and you got them to five and then 20, you know, five grand to a hundred grand, were they, um, was it a non-emergency medical transport? What was it? And I wanted to correct you. I wanted to make sure, not correct you, but I wanted to explain that. So I heard you saying you might be buying or you might, you're interested in an EMT service, right. right? So if you speak to someone that's in the field and you tell them that you want to buy a or you want to start an NEMT, non-emergency medical transport, I'm going to think you're starting a wheelchair company. Right. If you say you want to start an EMS service, emergency medical service, then I know you're starting an ambulance company. I start ambulance companies for people. We, here's the catch to it. We just provide non-emergency medical transportation. We use gotcha. the ambulances, but we don't do 911, not all of us. The majority of us, we use the ambulances. So we're licensed as an EMS service. We only provide non-emergency medical transportation. That's where the money's at. So I will take your mom to dialysis or whoever, hospice, um, wound care, jeez, uh, behavioral uh, care. I, you'll see our trucks at like sporting events, concerts, but you will not see a wheelchair van that does non-emergency medical transportation. We have stretchers. We have everything that you see in my ambulance, you'll see in a ambulance that's with a fire department or a hospital. But I'm so not got, chasing 911. Yeah, so 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 there are ambulance services that are that are contracted with the county or facilities to receive 911 emergency calls. And then there are ambulance services like what you own, which can do emergency calls, but you don't. You have the same technicians and service providers on the truck and all the equipment. But your job is to do mostly transportation and to be on site at facilities or events, right? That's what I solicit. That's what I go after. Now, gotcha. can like during COVID, the county would call us and say, hey, can you back up the fire department because they're short? Because we're licensed the same exact way that the county's licensed, the county ambulances. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, see, and I did, I did not know that. Actually, the podcast that I, that I listened to you on, the title of the show was something a lot about NEMT. It, yeah. it specifically, explicitly said NEMT, which is why I listened to it to begin with, because 
I'd never heard of the business. I mean, I, I only know about the whole industry because I'm looking at brokers. Brokers are sending me opportunities, think businesses to buy. And that was one I thought, well, this is interesting. What does that mean? Is are they driving around the ambulances like what I what you do? Mm -hmm. Or are they in, in these wheelchair vans? And that actually is what the one I'm looking at is yeah. they only do insurance broker work. So insurance company pays them to go pick up grandma and take her to dialysis or take her to, you know, wound care, whatever and it is. They, do. they don't yeah, that's, that's what I do. I but just you get do paid. it in ambulance. Yeah, I get paid to take people to dialysis, wound care, and insurance pays us. Medicare, Medicaid, Blue Cross, Blue Shield. We take private insurance, private pay. Yeah. The only difference between what so you, I do and what everybody else does or what wheelchair people do is my guys can't typically go in a wheelchair. So they need stretcher. And they need a doctor to say, hey, this person needs stretcher transportation. There's more money in that than there is in wheelchair. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you, um, so, so you got into this business because you, you just needed to, needed to do something. So you went and hustled, you went back to your old door knocking ways mm -hmm. and you figured out how to hustle up some business for this guy to take him from five grand a month to a hundred grand a month in, in income. Now in that business, the margins are pretty high because it's just, you've got the, there's no cost of goods. You've just got the, the, uh, labor that you got to pay for and you got to do maintenance and gasoline on the vehicles. Is mm -hmm. that, is that right? Yeah, the margins can be, it, it, it varies depending on the economy, right? So if gas prices go up, of course, that eats up on your margin. If Medicare drops their rates as far as what they pay, that can eat your margins. Um, the cost of living can affect your, your payroll. A lot of things can eat up your margins. If your employees depend demand like insurance and you want to slow down employee turnover, so you might want to provide health insurance for them, there's ways... Yeah, it, it can vary depending on really what's your overall, I guess, I, I don't want to say goal, but your your financial philosophy and what you want to accomplish, right? And then your margin might be big, but that might not be big to me, right? So it can vary depending on owners because there's, there's different ways you can tip the scale either right or left. So this business, this whole industry of merge, emergency medical transport, I mean, it's it's a hidden industry as far as I'm concerned. The only thing any of us see in the public eye is an ambulance with its lights on going down. And we just assume they responded to a 911 call like that's all. That's what I've assumed for my whole life. So if there's an ambulance going down the road, they're going to a wreck from a wreck. They're going to a hospital They're You know, th that that's all that is. But there's so there's a hidden industry behind all that for people to be taken back and forth to uh to the hospital and for doctors doctor visits listen jason i i know you're in investment groups right i guarantee you if you tell your investment groups not own an ambulance company they're going to say what do you do like that's exactly <laughs> what you're saying it's that hidden so every time i go somewhere some, the the general consensus i didn't know you can do that i was literally at the arizona um uh, Phoenix, Arizona, the Sun, Phoenix Suns game last week, sitting courtside right next to the owner. And my friend, he's a doctor. He's starting an ambulance company in Arizona. He's like, hey, that's the owner. I'm like, the owner of the Phoenix Suns? And he's like, he Googled. I'm like, oh, awesome. So during halftime, I say, you know, I'm going to go talk to him. He goes, I knew you were, right? And I go, you know, I'm going to, I never shook a billionaire's hand before. So I'm just going to do it off of that. So he's walking up. And I'm behind him and I tap him on the shoulder and I go, hey, I heard you were the man to talk to. And he's like, oh, is that so? And I go, yeah, my name's Hans Fakir, da, da, da. And we just start small talk. And he goes, what do you do? I said, I own an ambulance company. He goes, you do what? Now, this is the billionaire. Because you do what? I said, I own an ambulance company. Goes, I didn't know you could do that. I'm like, yeah, I'm here starting one for my friend. And he goes, who's your friend? I go, the guy. He's a doctor. He's like, where are you sitting? I said, we're sitting right behind you. And so after that, he's. Like he comes after halftime and says, what's up to us? And now, now there's this report. But I think the astonishing thing was I hit him with something so different that his eyes, he gave me that same look that the guy making a, you know, uh, middle class gave me or the guy, you know, he gave me that look like, what do you do? So I knew I picked that interest that I, I get with everybody. You set yourself so, so different. It's a different conversation. So you, so you bought your first ambulance for your own company. Uh, what's, what's the name of that company? My company is Constant Care EMS. Constant Care EMS down in Atlanta, right? Yes, down sir. in Atlanta. So, so you, so you bought your first ambulance in 16, 17? Uh, 16. 
16. You bought it in 16. And so you had one ambulance. Now, how many, how long did it take you? What do you, what do you have today? Like how many, how many I people had, and how many? Ambulances? Um, at my peak, I was at six ambulances, five running and a wheelchair van. So five ambulances and a wheelchair van. So I still did the wheelchair. So keep in mind, this is another thing I wanted to say real quick. When you start the NEMT wheelchair company, you can't provide the service I provide. But if you start an EMS company, you can always go down and provide the wheelchair service. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So that makes sense. I was at um, five trucks with a reserve, and I was averaging about 120 a month. And I scaled down because I was the one doing everything, right? So I always tell people, you got to find your happy place. Meaning, I got a guy who makes 248000 a month, but he has 15 trucks. And he's always on the truck. So my happy place was I, I trained somebody to do exactly what I did. And I paid him a nice salary for me to never be on the truck. And I said, what do I got to do to get that? So I got down to three trucks and I can still pay myself a comfortable living because I got other investments. So I tell people it's really depending on how big you want to scale and where's your happy place. Like my time, my time is priceless when I'm with my kids. So what do I got to do to do that? Take a smaller salary and give somebody a really nice salary so they could do all that stuff? That's what I do. So at my that peak, I was at five. exit lifestyle. Yeah. That's the exit lifestyle. It's what I talk about all the time. It's how do you exit the daily operations without selling the business? And Hans, you are doing that, man. So congratulations. You didn't even have to hire me as a coach to figure that out. So, <laughs> so, so way to go, man. So, so you, so you've got your happy place right now, but you're also doing quite a bit of coaching and mentoring. I mean, you're in Texas right now, helping a friend get his ambulance company started. So tell everybody a little bit about how you transitioned from the operator of a specific business in a specific industry to showing other people as the healthcare CEO, how to do it. And, you know, I think, before I answer that, I think people will always say, well, why does he help other people start the business in the same line of work that he's in? I have the saying that someone told me one time, uh, what God has for you, no one can take, right? And the more you bless people, the more you get blessed. And that's been my business model since. Um, but to answer your question, it's, people would come to me and say, hey, how'd you get into this? And I was helping them for free, like in Atlanta. And then just... The reaction, like I told you, that you gave me and people give when I say, I'm like, this is something that I have no college degree. All right. I went to community college and I dropped out after a year, year and a half of community college in Florida. And I make and I love when people say, wait, do you work for the doctor? And I say, no, the doctor works for me. You know, it's just conversations like that. And I'm like, you know what? This needs to get out there more. And there's a, a need for it, especially like during COVID. There was a huge need for it, right? Um, and even though it's your own private ambulance, you're still looked at as part of the government. Like when COVID hit, Medicaid gave us $80,000 right off the rip. Every ambulance owned. Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. 40 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had your business in the yellow pages. You remember those things? <laughs> and 30 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a door to door salesman. 20 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a website. And today, you're not in business unless you're doing social media content. Am I right? Social media content. Social media content in the form of like micro content, which is 30 to 60 second spots on Instagram Reels or TikTok or YouTube Shorts. That's the way business is done. As a matter of fact, that may be how you found out about this podcast or me as a business coach. This medium that we're using today to communicate what we do is vitally important. And just recording yourself isn't enough. You've got to do it right. And my friends over at Story do it right. And one of the problems with doing it wrong is that you sit around thinking, well, what the heck am I going to record? How, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Like, I don't know what to talk about. Well, story takes all of that away from you. Stop wasting time trying to come up with content because story will send you a video prompt on what to record. You can pick the categories you want to record in, whether it's real estate, entrepreneurship, finance, relationship, leadership, life insurance. It could be anything. 
Don't waste time on that. And by the way, if you're not confident in talking on video or if the video editing portion takes up way too much of your time, Story will edit the videos to perform well on social media. They add the subtitles, the pop-ups, the zoom cuts. They remove all the filler words like uh and um and uh. They remove the awkward pauses. And then they take that video and post it for you. They write the captions, they add the relevant hashtags, and they post it on the platforms that you care about the most. It's exactly what you need to be in business today and to be successful at it. So if you want to learn how to do social media the way the influencers do, you need to go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story. And that story with two Y's. Why? Because they're awesome. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story, that's S-T-O-R-Y-Y, for 10% off your first three months to try Story out. You're going to thank me later. I love talking about this sponsor because it's oftentimes a lot of people talk about sponsors on their shows or have sponsors and they either don't use them or they might have used them once and they're not really in love with it. They just take their money. <laughs> and, and certainly there's nothing wrong with that. But this sponsor, this one of my sponsors of the podcast is Story, S-T-O-R-Y-Y. Two Ys, why? Because they're awesome. If you've ever wondered how these influencers do their Instagram reels and their TikToks and their YouTube shorts to look so amazing where they've got the Zoom cuts and the pop-ups and the on-screen illustrations, whether it's cartoons or actual images or videos, that get responses, that people go, ooh, I want to talk to that. If you want to know how people do that, that is exactly what Story does. They take your videos and they make you look like an influencer. They make you become an influencer. And they will post it for you, they'll write the captions, they'll add the relevant hashtags, they put it on the platforms that you care about the most, and after that content's posted, they take it even one step further to boost it to your past clients, your leads, or anyone that you want to target. And they even have someone log into your social media profile to engage with other people's posts to drive engagement on your profile. Story truly takes the headache away from doing social media content from start to finish. And they have a mission to help people nurture and cultivate their relationships by sharing your message digitally. And they even have an app that makes it easy to upload your content and track everywhere your video is at. And I've been using them for a long time. And I told them, I said, look, guys, I love what you're doing. I want to recommend you to everybody. You need to be a sponsor of my podcast. And so they're a co-sponsor of this podcast. And they're also the exclusive sponsor of my live webinar series, Entrepreneur Master Series, because they're that good. I tell everybody about them. So go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story to learn more. And that's therealjasonduncan.com slash story, S-T-O-R-Y-Y. Why are there two Ys? Because they're awesome. You'll get 10% off your first three months if you go to that link, therealjasonduncan.com slash story. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now, back to the show. Got an $80,000 deposit just to make sure we can keep running. So, I'm sorry. Wow. What do you mean? This? The back. No. Oh, the back. I'm sorry. Um, That's all right. And so, and then three months later, they gave us another $75,000 deposit. None. Like, they, we didn't have to pay it back. So, you still looked at it as an important part of, you know, the government. And and how you can help. So it's like, I think every time I get the response that I get, it makes me want to tell more people about it. I, like I said, I was in Arizona and I went to a track meet while I was there and someone recognized me and said, you're that ambulance guy in Arizona, Jason. Like, what are the chances, you know, I'm getting noticed in Arizona. I only got 9,000 followers, bro. I didn't think I had that kind of reach. And, <laughs> and maybe it is from the podcast, but it's an opportunity for just the every average person to make a substantial living. And I don't want to keep dwelling on the money because I want people to understand that I got into this business not only because I was good at it, but both my parents suffered from dialysis. And they both passed away. I lost my dad last year and lost my mom two years before that. And they both were on dialysis. Mm. So uh, this has a different level of meaning for me. And I, and, I, and I definitely take on mentees that understand that it's not about the money. It's about putting the customer service aspect back into transportation. The money's going to be there. I've only had to advertise one time in my life. And because I drilled my employees on customer service, customer service, customer service, we never had to advertise again, right? Because I tell my employees, you take care of the patients, I'll take care of you. Don't ever let money be a factor. And I, my patients are some of the highest paid. And like I said, that's me finding my happy place. 
Because if I pay them well, that's less call-outs. You know? Yeah. Um, so uh, I just love teaching people and to let somebody do something that can be generational, where you can leave this company, you know, put the company in trust, leave it for your son or your daughter, whoever. You know, it's something that everybody can make a, a, a honest living. Your, your impact that you have on your community is speaks for itself. And this is recession proof. I get this question all the time because, you know, everybody went into the big trucking boom, right? And I get a, one person once a week that's leaving trucking and coming to the EMS board. And they're like, how stable is it? How, and, you know, you think it's going to be around long? I'm like, is there, is there a McDonald's in your neighborhood? Is there a Popeye's chicken? Do people still smoke cigarettes? <laughs> Are liquor stores still available? Is there still pollution? Do people still get in car accidents? Do people still age? As long as all those things are still here, yeah, we'll still have a job. And every time I see a motorcycle speed past me at 100 miles an hour, I go, oh, job security. You know, <laughs> you see that long line oh. at McDonald's? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so speaking of McDonald's, you are also in the restaurant business yes. as well. So tell, tell everybody about your uh, your restaurant you've got in Atlanta. I have a gourmet grilled cheese restaurant in Lenox Mall, um, one of the uh, higher malls. We're right next to Bloomingdale's, and we sell gourmet grilled cheese sandwiches. Gourmet. Like one of our sandwiches, um, we call it the ATL for Atlanta, and it has cornbread, mac and cheese, and collard greens in the sandwich. That's our number one seller. And all of our sandwiches are named after a district in Georgia. So we have the Vinings, the Buckhead, the Midtown. And the restaurant was actually a fluke. My cousin asked me, he's been a chef for 30 years, to invest. And I told him no. And he chased me around for like a year. And finally, he made me a sandwich. And I was like, oh, we might have something here. And we invested. He got out of the business. I ran it. Now I took it over. And it's been going great. We're actually looking at opening up. We're looking at opening up three other locations this year. So is this your concept or no. is it part of a larger franchise? Is it was his concept. He was making dinner. He's been a chef for 30 years. He was making lunch for his girlfriend and decided on make, making a grilled cheese sandwich. And I'm not going to even, even though he's not part of the business, I'm not taking that credit away from him. It was his idea. I can't no, remember the names. Yeah. Yeah, well, but but what I mean, what I mean was it's not a franchise. This is your concept. I mean, yes. you guys own this. You came up with it. And, and, uh, like, when did you start? When did that start? What year? Uh, we started in COVID 2020. Yeah. I thought, we started I that in was the what middle of here. COVID and it worked out great because we're not in the food court. We're in a standalone, uh, a storefront in the mall by Bloomingdale's. So we got the people that didn't want to be in a crowd coming to our restaurant. And then social media has been a godsend for us. TikTok because people coming to our restaurant now just to post. Wow, that's yeah. cool, man. Yeah, that so is that's cool. So congratulations on, you. on your success. And so this has been, you know, this has been a really interesting conversation. As the root of all success, the name of the podcast is, what do you, Hans, what do you, what do you define that word success as? Time. I want to, if I'm successful, that means I have all the time in the world to do the things I want. I heard this quote. Rich people work to buy more time, like to spend more time with their family, and poor people work to pay bills. So everything I'm doing, the restaurant, everything, is because I have an exit plan. And at 20, 30 mil, I ain't done. You will not see me on social media. <laughs> I'm like, I'll probably do consulting for free, but I'll be able to watch my kids grow up. I got two girls in college. I would want to stop by their college. Just, and I do that now, but I even want to do it. I want to even have more time to do it. You know, like I said, I lost my parents in less than a year and a half away from each other. And they, they, if that didn't nail in the the concept of you can't buy time, you know, my mom was fine. And then we went to the hospital and they said she had six weeks. She had cancer. And I tell people, it felt like somebody took an hourglass and just did. It. And so now I, I think about that. I'm like, I don't take anything for granted. I want to spend as much as time as I can with my family. My son's traveling with me now. He's on spring break. He's only seven. So. Wow, that's great, man. Well, so by that definition, do you consider yourself to be successful? Harshly. <laughs> I'm almost there. I'm almost there because I, I am doing, I am doing what I love. 
Yes, I, I think so. Well, I, I, I congratulate you on keeping the keeping the main thing the main thing. I always talk about in my coaching coaching classes that you know time is a non-renewable resource and you should trade renewable resources like money for non-renewable. So if it. you can take money and buy time, you should do it. But don't use time to buy money because that you can't that's a bad trade. Because time's free. Think about that, man. Time is free. Everybody gets the same amount. We got to use it and make the best of it. So I'm really, really glad, Hans, that you said that. I want you to, as we kind of close the show down, I want you to think about the best piece of advice that you have received or you would like to give entrepreneurs listening to this show. What's that one piece of advice in all your years experience as an entrepreneur in the healthcare space and the restaurant space? What's that one piece of advice that you'd say, do this? Take criticism. Take, um, Take a survey of the people around you, right? And always, and, and the reason I say that is a lot of people don't want criticism. I want it. I welcome it because it helps me become a better person than I was yesterday, right? I want growth. So I welcome criticism. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs do not want to hear what's wrong with their product or their services. I, I welcome that. I don't want people to just say everything's good. And so... One of the things I actually told this to a mentor yesterday because she's having issues um, with some of her clients. I said, find out what their thoughts are. Take a survey and ask them, what do they think about the service? What do they think about you? Da 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 da. And do a proper evaluation of what you're doing. And I don't think people want people, I don't think people want that mirror to be held up in front of them. Many times I tell yeah, people they want a mirror that, that. Um, is not transparent, right? They don't want a mirror that shows their reflection. They want a mirror that they can just see through. I want a mirror that's going to show me my flaws. Hmm. Well, I think that attitude is something that we could all learn from because if we can't take the criticism, it's going to be difficult to grow because it's only through those times that you can see what needs to grow and what needs to change. So, all right. So if you want to get in touch with Hans Fakir, you could reach him at thehealthcareceo.com. That's thehealthcareceo.com. It's been a great conversation. He's also on Instagram and I follow him. He's got some pretty cool stuff on Instagram. Uh, he, and you can follow him at thehealthcareceo underscore. So at thehealthcareceo underscore. And he's also on Facebook at the, uh, at the healthcare CEO. And he's offering something. He's got this ambulance masterclass. So if you're interested like me in getting into this business, perhaps, he's got this ambulance masterclass. And if you, as a listener to the show, go check it out. We've got a link in the show notes that gets you 10% off the Ambulance Masterclass. So you can go check that out. Hans, you want to tell anybody just a little bit about what the Ambulance Masterclass does? Yeah, definitely. It teaches you how to start an ambulance company from A to Z, from picking out a company name to starting your LLC, your EIN, to all the rules and regs for the particular state that you're in. The Ambulance Masterclass actually has the application for every state. So it tells you about recruiting employees, about how to set up your office how to uh, account for Medicare, everything. We left no stone unturned with this class. Once you're done with it, you will know how to start your own ambulance company. All right, that's good. So check that out at thehealthcareceo.com and the link uh, to that specific discount, 10% off that masterclass is going to be in the show notes. So check it out. Well, congratulations on all your success and I appreciate you, you coming on to the show. I know we need to stay in touch because I, you know, I probably got a lot more questions I want to ask you about this, but thank you for you. doing this. I appreciate you so much and uh, let's stay in touch. And when you come to Nashville, let's get together and uh, smoke a cigar. Let's do it. Let's do it. I got you, my friend. Thank you so much. I feel blessed. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Another very successful entrepreneur about his journey to success. And I love his definition of success. Very simple. He said, it's time. You know, at the end of life, when you're looking back over everything that you've experienced as an entrepreneur, as a human, the thing you're going to want more than anything else is time. Time is free, and yet it is the most valuable asset that we could ever have. And if you are truly successful, you have time. One of the things that I've got, I've got three major overarching life goals. And, and that first one is that I will have complete freedom over my time, energy, and money. And time was the first thing I listed because I, I don't want anybody to tell me when or where I have to be at a certain time. I want to be in charge of that. I want to be able to choose that. So if you want to find the root of success, you need to be aiming at time. And if you can write a check to get time, you should do it.
I want to I want to promote my book here, the the Exit Without Exiting book. It's an international bestseller in several categories. You can pick this up at therealjasonduncan.com slash book. This Exit Without Exiting book is the story of three entrepreneurs and how they were able to exit their business, some more successfully than others. But really, the bottom line here is that it's about how to exit your business without selling it and begin living the exit lifestyle sooner than you ever thought possible. And you heard us talking about on the show, Hans is living the exit lifestyle to a large degree. He gets to travel. He gets to go where he wants. He's picking his kids up from school. He's, he's spending time with his kids. That is what's important. The exit lifestyle, all in the book, Exit Without Exiting. You can pick up your copy. It's only $15.99 at therealjasonduncan.com slash book. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And I look forward to seeing you next time when I talk with yet another very successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. Until then, I am, as always, the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Attention business owners. Attention business owners. Feeling burnout from running your business? Uncertain if you're nearing burnout? Take our free 10-question business burnout test at businessburnouttest.com to discover where you stand. With just 10 quick questions, you'll learn how to immediately begin making changes to regain freedom and success. Cut your daily operations time in half. Improve your quality of life and prepare your business for your future exit without losing revenue or profit. Visit businessburnouttest.com now and take the test. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.